Hey, thank you, thank you. Good word. I like that expansion of that Pastor Brenda was talking about, the expansion of the kingdom. You know, when it and when did the when did it expand? When did the fish and the loaves expand? Not when Jesus prayed it for it. It didn't expand then. When did it expand? Actually when we, if disciples, if we're called disciples, started to actually pass it out. Actually when the disciples actually passed it out did the expansion take place. Kind of cool. So we're going to talk a little bit about that type of thing. How we as disciples, how when we step out in faith, expansion of the kingdom takes place. So Father God, we just thank you. You are so good. And I ask you, Lord, to speak your word through this vessel and touch hearts and minds for your honor and glory. Confirm your word with signs and wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. How many of you know what this is? What is this thing? It's a shofar. It's a ram's horn shofar. Um, they used to blow it um, all through the Old Testament. Church blows it now as a kind of a sign of um, change or a sign of coming together in the Lord. Um, what is today at 6 o'clock? What is the feast day? Anybody know what feast day it is at 6 o'clock, starting at 6 o'clock today, 6 p.m. here today? How many of you are here? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the it's the feast day of the trumpets. It's the it's the trumpets. It's a new year. It's actually the festival of the new year. How many know that there were seven feast days in the Old Testament that Jesus is going to fulfill every single one of them? Four of them have already been filled and fulfilled in Jesus Christ on the exact day of that festival. So way back in the beginning of the Old Testament, there were seven festivals given. Jesus fulfilled uh, four of them when he came, when he died on the cross. That was Passover, exact day of Passover. They had the meal, he died on the cross, Passover. He rose again on first fruits. Come on, the resurrection, he's the first fruits of resurrection. So there was four of them in the, that Jesus in the springtime fulfilled. Actually, one of them was fulfilled by the Holy Spirit. What was that one? Um, when did the Holy Spirit fall on the church? What was that called? The day of Pentecost. Exactly on the exact day of Pentecost did the Holy Spirit come upon the church. Well, today is, starting at 6 p.m., is the feast day of the trumpets, which is a sign of that last trump, that Jesus Christ will come at the last trump and call his church home to be with him for a seven-year celebration, marriage supper of the Lamb. After that, the church comes back with him to the earth, that next feast day is called the Day of Atonement, where he separates the sheep and the goats, and there's an atoning on the earth. And then the last feast day that hasn't been fulfilled yet is called the Feast Day of Tabernacles, where Jesus Christ comes and rules and reigns on the earth for a thousand years. Come on, he's going to tabernacle with us. Hallelujah on this earth. So I think I'm going to blow this thing because, after all, if, hey, if it's, you know, some people say it's going to be the exact day that he comes. I'm not saying that he's coming tonight at 6. I'm not saying that. But it would be kind of cool if he did. But um, So I'm just going to blow the shofar. I'm going to ask you all to stand and kind of just give a shout. it means new beginnings. So the shofar blowing actually calls them into repentance and new beginnings. And this season of the year is our new beginnings also in our church. It's our new beginnings for what? What, what do we start every September? The life groups, right? In the beginning of the year. So it's new beginnings for us too. And, um, and you guys, maybe some of you ladies, what else happens in September that's a sporting uh, it has to do with sports. Somebody said, oh, football. <laughs> um, it is. It's like a big thing in this nation, um, football. But what they do is uh, grade school, high school. You may have some kids that played football. Tom and Amy, I know you got some playing. Anybody else have any kids that are playing football this year? Hey, all right. Um, grandkids. Um, also, the college, I think they're in their second week of college games. It might be the third. 
Also, the the pros did start this week, I believe, in their in their games. But I want to use an analogy regarding football, and that is, what if we had all the people who let's say you you like football, even if you don't, and you're all in the stands, you all want to play. You, I mean, not play. You all want to be there. You want to watch. You want to observe the football game. Amen. You want to see the football game. You want to cheer them on. Because that's what happens at, I mean, come on, even in Texas, they, call, they have movies out, Friday Night Lights, I think they call it or something. It's big time stuff. People go and watch it. But what if there were no players because we couldn't get anybody to play the game? We had all the fans, but we had no players. And the analogy I'd like to share is, I'm going to have each of you, if you can go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Because that is the picture of the church. We have a lot of people who are in their seats as observers. Yay! That was a great message, Pastor Brenda. All right, way to go. I love that message on the Holy Spirit. That was so cool. That was great. Yay! Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do nothing. Let me read this scripture, and hopefully I can help you understand and know. Here's what, before I do, here's what happened way back in the church, and I, I, I don't know how the enemy got this in, but there's this thing called clergy and laity. Laity, the people and the observers, the clergy. Oh, they get paid for ministry. Oh, they do the work of the ministry. And we get to come and watch and listen to a sermon, and it's so cool. That was never the intention of the Word of God. Never to be like that. Now, you do come and get the Word of God, and you get fed, and you get disciples. But what happened was the clergy began to do all the work of the ministry. Matter of fact, when we were in youth ministry, somebody said, hey, you're the youth minister, and you kind of get paid some money from the church, so you go pray for that person in the hospital because we pay you to do that. Now, think about that for a minute as I bring this analogy in. And I'm going to read this scripture to you. Everybody there at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 11 and 12? And he himself gave some, meaning God, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Okay, so that's, that's what we would call clergy today. Now here's what they are supposed to do. For the equipping of the saints... For the work of the ministry. So they're equipping the saints so the saints do the work of the ministry. That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what we think in our head and what we do with our lives. It matters what God says, right? So God is saying that the clergy does not do the work of the ministry. The clergy are those fivefold ministry gifted folks are the water boys, the equipment managers, the coaches. And you do the work of the ministry. And our job is to disciple or help you or equip you so that you do the work of the ministry. Your job is not to sit in the pews and cheer on, even though it's good to do that, cheer on the word and then go out as observers and not fulfill the work of the ministry. Your job is the work of the ministry. That's what the Word of God says. So let me read that again. He himself gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. So that's how the body of Christ is edified or built up, is that the people are called to do the work of the ministry and the, those in the fivefold ministry are called to equip them to help them so that they do the work of the ministry. And until we get this in our nation and until we get this in our churches again, we're going to be ineffective. We have no players. There are many times, and I'm going to be very blunt here, there are many times we have no players for the game. Come on, is that true? We have no players for the game. You are called for one purpose on this earth, and that is to be involved in the game of the commission or commissioning of what Christ gave us, the commission of the gospel. And I'm going to just 
read what Jesus told us to do. And Mark, I'll read it out of Mark chapter 16, because Jesus has never changed this order. Jesus has never told us not to do this. He's given us an order. He's commissioned us. This is our main purpose in life. And until you get called home, this has never changed. This is the job that you are supposed to be doing, period. Not the job that you have to provide food on your table. It's interesting. People go to school for 12 years in high school, maybe even go to college. Some of them go even into graduate school so they can get a job so they can put food on their table, which there's nothing wrong with that. But put secondarily the main purpose while they're on the earth. The main purpose while you're on the earth, I'm going to read it. Anybody who's saved, anybody who's part of the kingdom of God that's in this building, here is your main purpose for being on this earth until he takes you home. And Jesus said to them in verse 15 of Mark chapter 16, Verse 15, he said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's never changed that. You're part of the game that you're playing on this earth. The reason why you're a player in the kingdom of heaven is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You, not the pastors, not the teachers. You. Does it say that? Let me keep reading. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, and those people that you're preaching to, and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And here's what's supposed to follow you all in your job. While you're doing your job on this earth, while you're in the game, playing the game of bringing the kingdom to earth, even though you have opposition from the enemy, here's what's supposed to follow you. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will no, by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. King Jesus has not changed that directive of the co-mission. Basically, your mission, every one of you are missionaries. Co-mission means that he's doing it with you. Because I'll read another verse here in shortly that shows that he's with you doing it. Your mission in life after you're saved is this, period. Everything else is secondary. Your mission in life is this, period, and everything else is secondary. Did you get that? Does anybody not understand this simple reading of this scripture? Because Jesus has never changed it. Let me go to verse 19. And then after the Lord spoke and had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And he went out. And they, I'm sorry, and they went out, meaning the disciples then, they went out and preached everywhere. So they're out there preaching everywhere. There's a comma there in that verse. And this is what happens. The Lord working with them, meaning Jesus working with them, and he confirming the word through accompanying signs. So they're preaching the gospel everywhere. The Lord is working with them. And how do we know it's happening? Because it's going to be confirmed by signs and, and wonders. Is that happening in your life? Is it happening in your life? Come on. I'm serious. Is it happening in your life? And why isn't it? Why isn't it? Because you become fans and spectators instead of playing the game. You're not in the game. Breaks my heart. I mean, Deborah and I, all summer, I says, I, I want some people that will come with us. We'll go out and we'll pray in the streets. We'll go and pray with people. I think we got one couple to go with us once. Everybody had stuff to do. What stuff is more important than following the Great Commission that you're called to do? What stuff that you're doing is more important than that? I mean, maybe there is something that you, you are doing that was from God in the Great Commission. I'm just saying, what is more important in the Great Commission, though, in your life? So if our job is to train and disciple and teach, it's frustrating sometimes when we have nobody that wants to be discipled. Nobody wants to be trained. Or you've been trained and discipled so much that you think that you've heard that message before. 
Well, here's something that really might be kind of unique. Instead of hearing it, why don't you be a doer of it? Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. That's uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. We, I'm, I'm being hard right now because I really believe the time is very short. I mean, this last Trump could be tonight. You, this generation of believers is responsible for this generation of souls, the way I read this great commission. Does it not seem to say it that way? That this generation of believers is responsible for this generation of souls. That we are the Christ that they see. That Jesus Christ will help us in this. And he will be with us because Christ in us is the hope of glory. He will be there, but we are responsible for what's happening in the nations and what's happening now. I'm tired of hearing people say, look at America, how bad it is. Look at what's going on. Look at how the this one fights that one, and oh, what a mess we're in, and I can't wait till Jesus Christ comes back. The reason why it's in the mess is because somebody's not shining the light of Jesus Christ, and they're not in the game. Get in the game. Do something about this, and quit complaining about it, and do something about it. That's what he's called us to do. You're discipled not to come and sit and watch somebody speak, but to go and take what you learn out into the four walls of the community and live it. That's what you're discipled for. That's what you're trained for. That's why we come together to lift up Christ and to celebrate him, but it's also to disciple and to train. We also, in, in football, you have a playbook so that the whole team knows what, how to have strategy against the enemy. We got a playbook. It's called the Bible. And that's our strategy so that we can take down the enemy's team. And we want to teach it and train you in the playbook so that you know and understand and can work as a team. We do have a great cloud of witnesses that's watching. We do have a lot of people in the stands watching. Let me read it. It's in Ephesians, I mean in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw, out, throw off everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles us. We've got a great crowd of witnesses of those who've gone before us. The saints that are already in the heavenlies that are gone before us. And they're cheering us on. And they're saying, go, come on, go, go. So there are fans, but it's not you. You're not the fan. You're not the spectator. You're the player right now. Get in the game. Get in the game. That's why we have all these life groups. Do you really think it's just to fill up your day or give you something else to do? Do you really think, you know, I, we could be doing something else. We could find some other people that might want to be disciples. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. Sorry, that was, take that back. But God did tell me, pour into those who will be poured into and those who won't, you can't do anything about it. When we have a prayer meeting on, you know, all church prayer meeting, I think there should be more people than there are in the Sunday meeting. When we call people into a time of prayer, it's because we want to teach and train and come together as one, as a unit. Mm. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. We need to be able to step out. And understand that faith is something that is action. Faith is action. Meaning that there's, you have to get in the game to be part of the game. Not, well, I'm waiting here on the Lord until I hear from him. Until I get, oh, man, I don't know. He hasn't talked to me yet. I, I just haven't heard from the Lord yet. Yes, you did. The Great Commission's already been written. It's in the Bible. It's in the playbook. Every single one of us, this is what we're supposed to be doing. You have heard from the Lord. Here's the will of the Lord for you. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no buts in there that I see. Well, when I get, well, when I, well, uh, well, you know, wait till I, after I get um, this new job, and, or, or wait till I, um, there's none of that in there. See, all our, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of how we played the game. And everything that's wood, hay, and stubble, anything that basically is not of the kingdom is going to get burned up. And those things that have come into our lives, 
that are of the kingdom will have an everlasting effect. What do you have in your life right now? What are you doing for the kingdom right now? Or what are you doing that is more important than the kingdom right now? Maybe I should ask that question. In 2 Corinthians 9.10, I see this scripture here, and it's just so simple and so basic, but it says, God gives seed to the sower. And that's only the first few um, words of that verse. But God gives seed to the sower. And we think, well, that's so cool. So God's given us a seed so we can sow. Think about that and what it means. And look at it from the, from the Greek mindset or from the Aramaic. We are sowing. We are sowers already. And because we're sowers already and because we're into sowing already, seed is going to come to us so that we can sow it. Not, God, I'm waiting for you to give me seed so I can become a sower. I'm a sower already. I've stepped into the game. And because I'm in the game and I am a sower, I'm already called a sower. Because of that, I will get seed from God. You've got to get it that way. You've got to think spiritually what God is trying to teach here. You've got to get in the game. Not wait to get in the game. You've got to get in the game. Are you called a disciple because you are a learner? Are you called a disciple just because it's in the Bible and that's what they called some of the Christians back then? Here's a scripture that um, may help in this area. It's Joshua 3, 15 and 16. I'll read it. Because it talks about how they couldn't get across the Jordan. They want to go into the promised land. All the, the body of Israel that's supposed to go into the promised land. Here's the water, Jordan River. Can't get in. But look what happens, what God tells them to do, and look what they do. And when those who carried the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest carrying the ark dipped into the edge of the water, when the, feast pre when the priest's feet dipped into the water, when they walked into the water, is maybe a better way to say that? The waters which were flowing down from above stood and arose into one heap. But it was after they stepped in. Then the waters rose. And then they went into one heap. And then they were able to cross. The people crossed. Opposite Jericho. Or across the Jericho. I'm sorry. So they crossed the Jericho after they stepped in. Until you get in the game. Until you start distributing the bread. Come on, as Pastor Brenda was talking about. Until you're in the water. You get it? Peter is in the boat. When did he walk in water? When he was walked outside the boat. Simple analogy, simple demonstration. Until you step out of the boat, you're not going to walk on the water. Everybody wants signs and wonders and miracles and they want all these things to be done. Step out into the water. Get in the game. How can you see signs and wonders and miracles if you're not praying for people? If you're not out there preaching the gospel to people? Well, I'm kind of shy and I don't know if I can do that. You know, if you're shy and you can't do that, then there's somebody holding you back because God already said that you can do it. Because he told you to do it. It was a command. It wasn't an ask. Oh, by the way, Dennis, can I ask you to go preach the gospel to all the people? And if you're shy and everything, you don't have to do it. Did it say that in the scripture? What does the scripture say? And then he did say he'd be with you. So... You're out praying for somebody. I'll use Dennis again. So one of the cool things that, that Deb and I have already kind of determined to do, that we like to park next to the handicapped parking places because they're close. No, uh, because usually that's where you're going to get people that need prayer because why do they got a handicapped sticker? So let's say that you don't have Dennis has a handicapped sticker. And so I'm kind of over there and 
see him get out of his car, and I see he has a little limp, a little hitch in his giddy-up. So I, or I say, hey, what happened? Man, you got a little limp there. What happened to you? You know, and he kind of tells me, and uh, we talk a little bit. Hey, um, I've been praying for a lot of people. We're part of a healing rooms team that uh, we just been praying for a lot of people and seeing God touch people. Is it all right if I pray for you right now, my brother? So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I command that leg to be healed in Jesus' name. I speak life over him. Speak the mind of Christ over him. Every cell in his body line up under the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. Done. If he wants to talk more, I would ask him, hey, how does the leg feel now? Okay, you know, it might be that short. He's gone. He's done. He's gone, but he got blessed. What was hard about that? What was hard about that? Everywhere we go, wherever we're at, any place we're around, that should be normal Christianity. That should be normal in our lives. And if it isn't, why isn't it? We've got to change the mindset. We're not spectators. We're not here to watch God move. God moves through his children in the game. Come on. If you want to see God change this nation, then start changing stuff. Get in the game. Cortez, um, way back in the 1500s, Cortez was sent from Spain by Spain, the nation, to go to Mexico so they cross the Atlantic. You know, in the 1500s, that was like, oh boy, big time. They get to Mexico, they got 16 ships. And what the task they had was impossible. It was an impossible task. They couldn't humanly do it. Cortez was worried that the men were all going to mutiny and hop in the ships and go. So he round, grounded all the ships up on the sand. Had a big bonfire. Lit them all on fire. No return. We're all in. And whether we die, we die. But we're all in. It's time for the church to be all in. Have you ever heard the expression, burning the ships behind you? Anybody ever hear that before? That's where that came from. That analogy. You heard of burning bridges, I'm sure, but the burning the ships, that's where that came from. It's time for us to burn the ships. Because what happens is we seem to have a spectator mentality that we got one foot in the world and we got to live our lives and we got to take care of all these things in our lives and it seemed to be so pressing and the things of our lives and the circumstances of our lives and our, 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 our lives all fill us up. Probably, would you say, if you give yourself a couple hours on Sunday to church and maybe some of you do pray every morning, okay, give yourself to that. Compared to living for the kingdom and preaching to every creature, the gospel, as you were commanded to do. What takes up, again, what takes up most of your time? Do you think that the time you spend on things other than the kingdom of God are going to count when you stand before Jesus? Now, there's things that you do for your family, and there's things that are good that you're doing for the kingdom of God. I mean, you got to eat, you got to supply for your family, you got to have shelter, those things are important. But when you start putting things ahead of God in his mission in your life, then you're no longer co-missioning with him, and you become to get this spectator mentality. And we got to have that broken off. The light of the gospel needs to shine in Benzie County. The light of the gospel needs to shine in northwest Michigan. The light of the gospel is not going to be Jesus coming out of heaven because then it's going to be too late. The light of the gospel is in every single one of you. The Jesus they see is you, because he said, I'm going away. I'm going to send you a comforter. And then he says, I want you to be doing this stuff. And he's never rescinded that, ever. So are you doing this stuff? Because you are Jesus. The Jesus in you is what is going to bring Jesus to this area, to your neighbors, to the people around you. And many of you have been wounded and hurt. You've been wounded and hurt by the church. You've been wounded and hurt by other people. And so you think you're on the IR, the injury list. 
and you can't be on the team anymore. So I'm, I'm injured. I can't play in the game anymore. You know, in football, they have people that are injured. We had a, a team when I went to a Catholic school for a short time where there was 14 of us on the whole team, 14 people, 11 players have to play. So we had several people that were injured, and we didn't know if we were going to have 11 players. That day we had 11 players. We all ran on the field for the defense, played, and then we actually were kidding. We'd run off the field and run back on for as the offense, the whole, all 11 of us. There was only 11 of us. There was only 11 on the team. But we had people injured that couldn't play. Well, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I call you healed in Jesus' name. I call you back into the game in Jesus' name. I call you forth into your destiny in Jesus' name. The brokenness that you have and the hurt that you have be off of you in the name of Jesus. And I call you forth into the destiny and back into the team. This, the team needs you. Your injuries that the enemies put on you, healed in Jesus' name. You are part of the team and you're needed. Hey, if we would have lost one more player, we wouldn't have had a head team. I'm going to tell you right now, we've lost a lot of players in the church, and many times we can't feel the team. There's much to be done in this area, but we don't have a team to do it. Daniel 11.32 says, But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. The people who know their God, they're going to stand firm in the game. They're, not, they're going to take action in the game. I like that verse. How many of you have been to the Alberta Life Saving Station over there in Alberta? Deborah, you have anybody else been there? You've been over there? You see the plaque that's out there? Did you ever read it? You know what the motto is of the old-time... It, they're the all-time Coast Guard, but now the Coast Guard is newer and everything. But what they did is they put these life-saving stations in each of these areas that had harbors, many of the areas, not each one. And their job was to go save the folks on the sinking ships that have gone aground or were in the storms. So here's their motto, and see if this kind of rings true with what Jesus is saying to us about our great commission, about our mission in life. So their motto was, we must go out. We don't have to come back. Didn't matter if they got killed in the storm. Their mission was they had to go out. Our mission is we have to go out. It doesn't matter how much injured or what happens to us. Because it isn't about us, it's about the mission. We have to go out. Many of them, well, I don't want to go there, but some of them didn't come back. But it wasn't about whether they came back or not. It was to follow the mission. Our mission is our co-mission. For each and every one of us. So the early church in the book of Acts was so vibrant and so alive but I know in reading it and looking at that book of Acts Church, why they were so vibrant and alive. They were all in. <laughs> they burned the ships behind them. They basically had not that motto, but it was like, we're going out. It didn't matter. Paul, remember Paul when he was in prison saying, you know, hey, to, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That was the, the mentality of that church. That's why they were so on fire. That's why thousands were brought into the church on, on, come on, on a daily basis, especially in the day of Pentecost. That's why their light shines so brightly. They were all in. They were all in. And they were about their mission and their purpose. And it's time Cornerstone gets all in. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to get all in. We've got the answers for this nation. We've got the answers for this area. We've got the answers for your family. We've got the answers for this whole world. And it's the light of Jesus Christ shining through us, touching others for the sake of the gospel. Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. Is there any other answer that you know of? If there is, well, go be part of it. In Esther chapter 4, 
Esther chapter 4. Here's another thing I know that some of you have probably heard. Have you ever heard that expression, you are born for such a time as this? You hear that expression before? Some of you have heard that. It's out of Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. But let me read it in the context that it was said. You were all born for such a time as this. God put you on this earth for such a time as this. But here's what really was happening with Esther. Esther did not want to mess with the king. Esther did not want to be part of the solution. Esther was resisting it. So this is what Mordecai, her uncle, said to her that includes that famous saying in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. And Mordecai told them to answer, answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than any other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows if you really come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm saying you did come to the kingdom for such a time as this. But who else knows that? Are you resisting your call? Because every single one of us are called. Are you resisting your purpose? One more verse, and then I'm going to close. I'm going to read out of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Here's the setup here. Elijah is being persecuted and, and attacked by old Jezebel. And he comes up, he's going to Mount Carmel. And you know what happened at Mount Carmel? He took on all the priests of Baal. And a mighty miracle took place there. But before that took place, this is what he was saying to the people of Israel. Because they were stuck between two opinions. They wanted to live in the world and be part of the Baal kingdom and part of the kingdom of the world. And they wanted to serve God too. So they played in both places had their life in the world had their life with God and here's what Elijah said to them and Elijah came to all the people and said how long will you falter between two opinions if the Lord is God follow him but if Baal follow him and here's the saddest few words that I see in that verse but the people answered him not a word. God's calling you into his great commission. Are you going to answer? Are you going to burn the bridges? Or the, I should say the, the boats behind you? Because your ship has sailed. And the only thing that you're going to have that will actually last in the kingdom of God are the things of the kingdom, souls for the kingdom. Come on, people that were brought in to the kingdom because the light of the gospel that's in you, touch them. So that when you come and lay hands on people and love on people and explain the gospel message to them, that they see the light and they understand that there's something better. I'm going to tell you something right now. The world right now does not want the church. And I, don't, I can understand why. Here's why the world doesn't want the church. Because what do you have to offer? What do you have to offer to the world right now? What do they see in your life that's different? What are you offering them? Is Jesus Christ really the true light of your life? And that's who you sold out 100% to? That you burned the ships behind you? That you are on fire for God? That the light of gospel is shining so bright through you that like Peter, when he walks by, the bright light of the gospel hits Steve and he gets healed without Peter even saying a word to him. Is that you? Is that happening in your life? It's time to make a change if it's not. We've got 
life groups for the purpose of giving discipleship training to teach you so that you can be in the game, so that you can do the work of the ministry that you are called to do and fulfill that great commission that God has given you. We're not trying to fill up time. I, I, don't, I have better things to do if you don't want to come and be discipled. Here's some things that we're doing to hopefully help you better your game. Sunday, 6 p.m., young adults. The young adults will be and have life groups and get trained and get discipled to be part of the game. Monday, 6 p.m., we have marriage enrichment at Love, Inc. over there at the, the First Congregational Church. Anybody who wants their marriage enriched, most of us need those that are married to have enrichment in their marriage. Monday, 7 p.m. at the Schneider's home. Life group going. We're going to be talking about giving, beginning with prayer. How many would like to know and understand prayer very deeply? Let me just give you a verse. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Come boldly before the throne of grace. It sometimes says come confidently, but come boldly to, before the throne of grace that you would receive mercy and grace in your time of need. That verse, if you knew that verse and how that verse worked and you had a deep understanding of that verse and you were discipled in it, you would know that you have the ability to go before God with any situation because the blood of Christ has made you clean and you have the authority to walk right into the temple of God, not the temple of judgment, but the temple, the throne room of grace at any time. And with his mercy and his grace, unmerited favor that you don't deserve, he will answer your petitions. A lot of times we don't get the things that we ask people because we don't ask him properly. We don't understand. We have not because we ask not. How would you like to know how to understand prayer like that? We'll be teaching that and how that works. So the Snyder's house is one of the places that'll happen on Monday, 7 p.m. Mondays, 7 p.m. here in Beulah. How many of you have ever had an addiction or know somebody in any type of addiction? I don't care what the addiction is. But how many want to be free of addiction so they can get back in the game? How many know people that need to be freed of addiction so they can get in the game? Celebrate recoveries at 7 o'clock on Mondays. And we're partnering with Sun Life Church. That's on Monday, 7 o'clock. Tuesday, 7 o'clock. In Beulah, above the Creation Farms uh, building there. We'll have a life group there on Tuesdays at 7. Again, being trained. One of the things we're going to be looking at doing is going through the entire book of Ephesians. I heard it called, and I've called it myself, the most holy of holies of the epistles. Verse by verse, precept upon precept, step by step, going through the entire book of Ephesians. Thursday, 6 p.m., adult classes here at the church. We're going to do our 101 ministry classes, our 201 ministry classes, our 301 and our 401 ministry classes on Thursdays here when the youth are here and when the Royal Rangers or Missionettes are here. We'll be doing that also. So we'll have adult teaching now on Thursdays. So you can bring your kids, stay here, and get discipled. That's on Thursdays. You also will be adding some other things to that. Friday, 6.30 p.m. at Helen's house. Life group. That's in the Thompsonville area. Friday, 7 p.m. in Lee's home and also in uh, uh, Evan's home. Let's see, so that, Pastor Brandon, that's Friday, or that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, we have healing rooms here. So anybody who wants to be prayed for here on Wednesday, we have healing rooms. And also once a month, we have prayer here. So Wednesday, Thursday, we got Friday, we got life rooms. The only day, we got a Sabbath day, Saturday. So basically, here's what happened in the New Testament church. They came together daily, from, went from house to house in the book of Acts. Daily, they had something going on, discipling and training, meeting with each other, building each other up in the faith, having their love feasts with each other so that they can be discipled, so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry. That was the model of the book of Acts. Do you think we're trying to model the book of Acts so that we can follow the principles of the New Testament that God has given us? 
by the way, we got a building that we're building. We do need a place where we have a practice facility. So we're putting a new building up so that we can better equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you understand now maybe a little better? It's not about you coming and seeing something, but it's you coming into your destined purpose that God has created from you for you before the foundation of the world. And that you have coaches that will help you get there. But it's not the coach's job to play the game. Though they have their own game to play individually. But it's not the coach's job to play your game. I can give you all the discipleship. I will be there for you. I will you can come out with me and we'll teach you how to pray for people. We'll go out into the highways. Whatever you want, I'll go to houses with you to, where people are shut in, so I'll pray with you. Wherever you want us to go, we'll go. We're available for you. If you call on us, and we'll teach you these things. But, I can't play the game for you. That's between you and God. Hopefully we've tried to give you everything you need. But we need you to get in the game. So if I can have you all stand up. Scripture says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You can't stammer or falter between two opinions. Either Jesus, Father God, is God. He is Lord, meaning Lord means rulership over your life. Or you can serve the world. Don't play church. We've got too many hurting people in this nation right now and in this area. And we need some players in the game. Are you willing to come forth and take your part? That's the call today. Are you willing to take your part? And you know what I'm saying to you is true. You know this is the word of God. And you know it might have come across a little ouchy. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. But it's true, isn't it? Have I said anything that's not in the word of God to you today? Are you there? <laughs> Didn't hear anybody say anything. Did I say anything to, to you all that wasn't in the word of God? God loves you so much, so, so much, that he actually believes in you so much that look at what he gave you as a gift. He gave you his spirit and his life in you. And then he says, commission, come with me on this mission together, and I will work through you and touch this world for my kingdom. Matthew chapter 10, he says, Preach to them that the kingdom is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out the demons. Because freely you receive. So freely give. Father God, help us to know and understand that this is the only game. This is it. Help us to burn the ships of anything that hinders us. Help us that once we put our hand to the plow, as your word says, we don't look back. Father, today as we get back to more simpler terms and what we're doing, there's sign-up sheets out there. Lord, touch their hearts. In Jesus' name. Folks, there's sign-up sheets for any one of these areas that I talked about. There's eight different areas that we're discipling in that we would like to have you as the body of believers as the members of this team sign up for so that we can help coach help you get equipped so that you can play the greatest game of ever bringing the kingdom of God to this area to this church this family that you're in this area that he placed you. You're not a mistake, and you were born for such a time as this. So, before you leave here today, sign up for 
one of the life groups that fits your um, position on the team. If I can have uh, the prayer team come forward. If anybody wants to look around, I want to make sure that everyone here, maybe there's somebody here. I'm just going to throw it out because I don't know everyone, most everyone. Is there someone here that's never heard about how Jesus Christ not only came to make you part of a team, but actually he actually says, look it, I died on the cross for you personally. And I want to take your hurt, your heartache. I want to take all the sin and all the junk and all the mind stuff that's been swirling in your mind that is so negative right now. And I can see somebody right now, they just feel like they're just weighed down by this heavy weight. And Jesus is saying, I came and died on a cross for you so that I could carry your weight. If that's you today, what he's saying, I want to take all that. I want to take your sin. I want to take anything that's been bothering you right now. I want to take it and put it on me. That's what Jesus has done when he died for you on the cross. See, you were supposed to, all of us were supposed to die. But he came and died for us. And then he wants to give you all of himself and have his spirit live within you in commission with you and bringing this light to other people. If that's you today, that you want that, that you haven't made that decision, I want to see your hand up high right now if you haven't made that decision yet. And you want to make that decision. Come on. I see that hand right there. You can put it down. Anyone else? Let's um, pray with this person who is brave enough to raise their hand. We're going to pray with you and ask you to pray this prayer, short prayer. Jesus, I give my life to you and all its issues. Come, give me your life. I lay down any sin in my life and I take up your glory. Let your light shine in me so that I may touch others for your glory. Let me walk in my purpose and created destiny from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to call you up to the altar area for this purpose. Is there anything that can cause you to go back into the world? Is there any part of the ship that may be still alive in your life? I'm calling you to burn the ships that causes you to go between two opinions. Cut it off. Will you make that commitment? Will you not be a spectator anymore, but actually become part of the team? I'm telling you, we need a team desperately. The white, the fields are so white for harvest. God wants to use you as his team member and co-mission with you in the answer for this entire universe. Not just this world, not just this area, not just your family or your home. So if that's you, if you're willing to make that decision and become part of the team, I'm going to call you forward. So we need some team members. I'm going to call you forward to become part of the team. So 